Hello, I'm Dr. Stephanie Phillips, joined by Dr. Michelle Seawright, and we are Georgia Medicine Women. We're direct primary care doctors, and we welcome you to our podcast, where we share stories that will inspire and motivate you in your journey towards health and wellness. Hey, welcome back to the Georgia Medicine Women podcast. Thank you all for listening. This is Dr. C. Wright. And I'm Dr. Phillips. And today uh, we're going to uh, hear another historic Georgia Medicine Women story. I'm excited to hear because uh, Steph- Stephanie's done the, the research, so she's going to tell me all about it. Yeah, I've been texting you all week about this, and I'm so excited <laughs> because I was like just randomly Googling trying to find more historical, you know, doctors, and this one was such a cool story. So I'm super excited to tell you guys about it. But first, we're going to do our Medical Mountain Speak, and um, I we'll think you're going to get this one. It's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're going to get this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Ready? Um, catching. Okay. Is that cough you have catching? Catching? And is that cough you have catching? Well, at first when you just said catching, I was thinking you were you were saying the catch in your back or something. But when you said right, it, right, right. that cough that you had catching, is it like contagious? Like, yes. Like you could pass yes. It on? Contagious. Okay. Contagious. Yes. Very good. Contagious. You know, I was getting worried there. Like you didn't know it. I was like, oh, it's going to embarrass me. <laughs> Don't embarrass me on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You knew it. You knew it. I had to use it. So catching could be, I guess, too, it could be my knee is catching, like yep. the catching, popping. So that mm-hmm. really has a double meaning. What is it? What is the grammar word for when a word has two meanings? I don't know that. I don't know. Not any window. <laughs> don't, don't put that in there. <laughs> it's not any window. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut that part out. Um, I don't know what the word is. I suck at grammar and math. I can do science, but you try to get me to add two numbers together, and I'm like, where's my calculator? All right. Um, <laughs> good job, Dr. C. Right. Let's get to our story. Um, this, this story is set in Savannah, um, and Savannah is one of my favorite towns. Have you ever been Dr. Seward? I don't know if I've actually oh, yeah, a few, quite a few times. Yeah. I love, I love Savannah. I try to go once a year and I love the ghost tours. They're my favorite. Um, I love ghost stories and, um, crazy stuff like that. And I've done probably every single one they have in Savannah. I've done every single one and I love them all. But we'll this have to is go a story about- on one together. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but we'll have to go on no, no, no. A, a ghost story together. I haven't been one on one. Like, you know, you kind of get a little intrigued and but then you find I find something different to do. But yeah, you'll have to take yeah. me on one of those those stories. Oh, I'm I'm taking you. <laughs> and I like have I take pictures and stuff. Like I'm a psycho about it because I'm not uh, trying to catch the ghosts, you know. <laughs> I have some really compelling evidence actually. I caught some orbs last time yeah. I went on a tour. It was really cool. Um, so I don't know about ghosts though. We can have a whole podcast on that. So I'm not going to get into that, but, um, it's super fun and we'll, um, we'll, we'll go. So she was the first female physician to ever work in Savannah, Georgia. And she was, oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't tell you. So today we're talking about Alice Woodby McCain. She is a pioneer female physician in Georgia. 
he was the first female physician to ever work in Savannah, Georgia, and she was the only black female physician in Georgia in 1892. So this is like way back. I think that's so worth she repeating. Was, Go ahead and repeat that. So she was the first female physician to ever work in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And the only only black female physician in Georgia in 1892. Wow. So that's awesome. yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So she's, you know, really setting a lot of historical um, landmarks there. Mm -hmm. So she was born February 1865 in Bridgewater, Pennsylvania, um, which actually I do have to comment on the the geography of Bridgewater because it's the very, very top tip of the panhandle of West Virginia. Um, and I, you know, I'm from West Virginia. So basically <laughs> she's almost West Virginia and she's she was family. orphaned at age seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she was orphaned at age seven, which is super sad. And mm. she was actually blind for three years after her parents died. And so I think based on my research, she probably had infection um, in her eyes, probably from scarlet fever, possibly. And maybe they thought that her parents had died from some kind of infection that she caught. But, you know, records are kind of shoddy back then. And um, they just said blindness. But it did go away. And so she got over that. And um, she actually attended the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania in 1892. Oh, wow. And after graduating, yeah, after graduating, um, I want to get more into that women's medical college too, because I'm like, wow, there was a women's medical school in right, back exactly. then. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so I mean, there's so many things I don't know, but um, so she moved to Augusta. She met her husband Cornelius McCain. Now this is so fun, <laughs> um, and you will know I'm I'm not really a feminist, but um, I try not to like concentrate on you know all the princessy stuff with my little girl. You know, not too right. much, but. But I still love the concept of a prince, you know, like I am, I love the royal family and all that stuff. But her husband is Cornelius McCain and Cornelius McCain was actually an African prince. He, so he was the great grandson of King Mana Fanaki, one of the native rulers who sold the first territory purchased by the American Colonization Society on the west coast of Africa. So from that, Liber the Republic of Liberia was formed. So he had... Wow. Several different wives, but one of his wives was, her name was Twahala. And he basically got in a big fight with her uh, over something, we don't know, but became very angry with her and sold her into slavery. And she took her daughter, who was his favorite daughter, her name was Thunakai. And she went with her mom into slavery and they were sold to New Guinea. And mm. that was his grandmother. And then he was born in New Guinea, and he ended up, um, and when he was 18, migrating to the United States in New York, and, and he became a doctor. So it's a really cool couple. So this is like power couple here. This he's is a like doctor too? Surgeon. Yeah, he's a doctor too. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it just seems like fate that they would meet. It's like perfect. Yeah. So um, they get married, and um, she essentially married a Liberian prince, which I love. <laughs> like, okay, she's got her princely man. Um, they had a mutual love of medicine, clearly. Um, mm -hmm. She moved back with him to Savannah in 1893. They teamed up and they just immediately started a nursing training program for African-American nurses in Savannah, Georgia. 
McCain, uh, it was called the McCain Training School for Nurses. Alice was the principal, and the two-year training school um, cost $4 a month and was the first nursing training facility in the entire Southeast. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So they immediately get to equipping their community to try to care for all the people in the community. Um, obviously, there was a health disparity with African-Americans in Savannah in 1892. Right. So they're doing what they need to do to train nurses to get them better care. So there was a focus on missionary work at this school as well. So if you wanted to be a missionary to Africa, you could go to the school for free, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. Cornelius and Alice, um, they actually ended up, after they founded that school, they handed it over to someone else to run, and they went to Africa um, as missionaries um, in June 19, or sorry, they went to Africa to serve in June 1895, and they started a hospital in Liberia, and that was really her husband's dream. He had promised his grandmother that he would go back and serve the people of Africa, and Alice, uh, so there was this big push for um, um, the African-American population to travel to Liberia and try to live there. Um, but obviously that didn't work out as history played out. Yeah. Um, but there was a, she was appointed by the U.S. government as the medical examiner for the veterans of the Civil War who had moved over to Liberia. There was a lot of um, American, African-Americans who had moved back to Liberia and she was appointed to be their doctor or their medical examiner. So I thought that was cool. But she, she, they actually did leave Africa though. It was a very hard situation. The politics in Africa were super complicated. And Cornelius, based on my research, seems to have made enemies in the African Immigration Society. So the African Immigration Society was uh, um, an organization that was encouraging um, Americans to move to Liberia and um he didn't something something happened and the original story was that they came home because alice got sick with yellow fever but it was made clear later in some letters that he had written the savannah tribune that he had gotten heavily involved in the politics over there and just couldn't stay oh. due to tension from the politics and so they also had a really young daughter who got sick as well and she actually um she was only two years old but she passed away the year they got back and she died from enteritis but it wasn't really clear if that was something that she obtained over in Africa or or what. But it was super sad. And they actually ended up having two boys and a girl. And the little girl passed away. But the two mm -hmm. boys um, grew up. But, yeah, it's sad. But she – so they come back. It's, um, I think, only eight or nine months after they went to Africa. They come back to Savannah. Um, Alice and her prince open a practice <laughs> in Savannah um, together. And they were both kind of GYN-focused, women's health-focused. Okay. And they founded a hospital – um, and the hospital as well as their nursing school. So they're like killing it um, primarily for women and children called McCain Hospital. And that opened in 1896 in Savannah. The mm -hmm. name was changed to Charity Hospital in 1901. And there's actually a historical marker in Savannah at this building where the, the hospital used to be. And that's when Alice and Cornelius um, in 1901, it changed to Charity Hospital. They handed it over to the board. Um, they got kind of mad with the with they're trying to raise money obviously you know we talk to organizations all the time that have you know work work tirelessly to try to raise money you know for their organizations and they were working really hard to raise money and they didn't want to take any government money and it got to the point where they had to and they just they just left the hospital so they actually didn't work at the hospital anymore but they kept practicing in their practice um 
And they didn't want government officials in charge of the hospital because they were very um, hesitant to allow white people to take over anything. They really thought that it needed to be separate because they were afraid that um, um, they would be prosecuted or uh, persecuted, I guess. And healthcare was completely segregated. So you don't even think about, I, I just, I guess I know about history and everything, but you don't really think about it till you get into these individual stories of these amazing people who lived back then. But it's just, healthcare was completely segregated, just like schools. So you couldn't yeah. go to, if you were black, you had to go to a black hospital. Um, you couldn't go to a white hospital. And if you were a black doctor, you had to treat black people. You could not treat white people. Um, but yet white doctors could come into the black hospitals, you know, so it was just totally oh, jacked weird. up the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until I was yeah. getting into this and I'm like, wow, I mean, unreal, but that was the way things were, but it was how it was. And, you know, racial tensions were super high in the South during that time. Um, and so she actually left Savannah. She moved with her husband to Boston in 1909. He died a few years later. They left Boston because they really wanted to have more educational opportunities for their kids. You know, obviously the tensions were still very high in Georgia at that time. And they left uh, they were both educated. Yeah, and they left Savannah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they went up to Boston. So she's still going to be a Georgia medicine woman, though. You know, she's oh, still for sure. Because she, yeah, she did so much stuff for women's women's health and health in general for uh, people in Georgia. So she, when she was, um, her husband died a couple years after they went to um, to Boston, unfortunately. But she lived a long life. Um, she became really active in women's suffrage and also became an active member of the NAACP. She was very mm -hmm. active and outspoken, protesting against. Um, different um, things that were just totally wrong and, and in line with the um, the uh, civil rights movement. She actually helped form a league of 800 women in Boston to protect their communities. They called it the vi Vigilance, oh, sorry, the, they called it the Vigilance Committee of 100, which I love that name. It's like, mm -hmm. we will kill you. Um, <laughs> but she was really boots on the ground. I mean, she was like the vice president of that organization. Like she wow. was awesome. And she um, went against the grain and her steadfast leadership in civil rights. And while other professionals would use their status as a doctor to attempt reform, she really came to the table as a mother concerned about her two sons' safety. Um, and it helped her identify more with others. So she didn't try to be like, well, I'm a doctor, so what I think matters. You know what I mean? Right. So, as many people do when they're professional. She really came at it as, you know, I'm a citizen, I'm a mom, and this is important to me as a mom. And she published a book on healing. It's called The Fraternal Sick Book. And then she also published a book of poems called Clover Leaves. Um, she died March 1948. She was 83. So, mm -hmm. um, one quote that I um, that I got from her, she said this in a speech um, when she was an activist in Boston. It says, if there are men who are afraid to die, there are women who are not. So wow. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Any man afraid to stand up for what's right. You got a woman there not worried about getting hurt. So I thought that was really awesome. She is a she is an amazing person. Um, there's, I've been trying to find a better picture of her cause she's really, there's really not a lot of good pictures of her, but, um, there's one in her graduation cap and gown, but, um, I just wish that there were better records or were better things. You can actually read her poetry, her book of poetry online. Um, the Cloverleaves poet poetry. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. It's actually, she's got a couple of really funny poems in that book. It's a really small book and it's a quick read. Yeah. Um, but it's just really 
it's in the National Library, so it's online and it's really cool. So it's kind of a historical book that she wrote there. In the National um, Library, she's she's a yeah, yeah. She's a big historical figure. Yeah. She did a bunch of stuff. So yeah, and the Georgia Historical Society has recognized her as well. So she's she's really um, been recognized a lot. But I thought it, she would be perfect to feature on our podcast because she really was a um, a huge. And there were so many women who did medicine in the black community, even before Alice came along, because they were just, but they were basically not, they were not formally trained. You know what I mean? They, they did it by, um, um, passing on information and they used herbs and that kind of thing. Yep. So having like an actual, you know, medically trained doctor, um, was totally different than that community was used to. So mm -hmm. she really was forging a huge, um, a huge gap there. So I think she's awesome. So. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Um, I did. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's cool. Um, I really like her. So I'll post a picture of her on our uh, website for everybody too. And thanks for listening in everyone. Um, we really enjoy telling stories and um, just getting to know these women that were incredible uh, Georgia medicine women. So um, if you uh, can just email us, our email is georgiamedicinewomen at gmail.com. And um, we would love to hear if you know of any other historical um, doctors or even doctors right now that have affected you, that have that have been a huge impact on you in your life. And you've really enjoyed um, seeing that doctor work uh, in your life. Tell us who they are. We'll see if they'll come on the podcast. Yeah. We'll tell you about them. Um, we'd love to feature our Georgia medicine women here in Georgia working right now to uh, revolutionize healthcare, um, doing things that um, we're passionate about and serving people. So um, thank you for listening in. Also check us out on Instagram and Facebook and remember go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review and like um, our podcast and follow us on there. We appreciate that. That helps our podcast grow and other people see what we're doing. We really appreciate everyone listening in and have a great week. Have a great week. Sources for this episode of our podcast include a Georgia Historical Quarterly article called Black Medical Pioneers in Savannah, 1892 to 1909, as well as a dissertation published in 2016 from Julie Chantel for the University of Massachusetts.